Usted está escuchando Radio Tierra en el 95.1 FM Hood River, 95.9 FM Stevenson, 107.1 FM Parkdale, 107.7 FM Dells, Casas, El Latido del Gorge, su radio comunitaria. You can always close your eyes, but you can't close your ears. Hola, los invito a escuchar Conoce Tu Columbia, un programa producido por Columbia River Keeper que se transmite cada otro martes de 7 a 8 de la noche. Entérese de lo que pasa en las comunidades que vivimos a lo largo del río Columbia. Compartimos información sobre la importancia de proteger nuestros recursos naturales. Además, tocamos temas de justicia social y culturales que son relevantes para nuestras comunidades. Recuerde, escuche Conoce Tu Columbia en Radio Tierra, el latido del Gorch, tu radio comunitaria. Qué difícil cantarle a Tierra Madre que nos aguanta y nos vio Hola, usted está escuchando Conoce Tu Columbia, un programa producido por Columbia River Keeper que se transmite cada 15 días los martes a las 7 de la noche. Esta noche tenemos con nosotros a Carlos Marroquín, este compañero aquí de la comunidad que siempre está este, apoyándonos y aprendiendo con nosotros. También tenemos a Tara Heinsen, ella es una abogada que trabaja para la organización Food and Water Action. Ella va a estar platicando con nosotros acerca de los mega farms, de, de las granjas este, industriales. industriales. Este, vamos a escuchar un poco más sobre ella y espero que esta información les sea de interés, ya que nosotros queremos que la comunidad empiece a participar en, en los proyectos en los cuales nosotros estamos luchando por proteger nuestras comunidades para evitar este, catástrofes ecológicos y ya que estos afectan a la comunidad de la forma este, ecológica como una forma de injusticia social y vamos a hablar un poco más sobre eso. You guys, you want to introduce yourselves and then we can start the conversation. Um, welcome, uh, good night. My, my name is uh, Carlos Marroquín, a member of Community Comunidades. Uh, we're here to talk a little bit about mega uh, farms and we're excited to hear about this important topic. And I'm Tara Heinzen. I'm an attorney with Food and Water Watch and Food and Water Action, and I really appreciate the invitation to talk with you today. I specialize in work on mega farming all over the country, including here in Oregon. So for how long you been doing this work or for how long you been working with this organization? I've been working with Food and Water Watch for almost five years, but I've been working on factory farm or mega farming issues for almost 18 years. So both as a community advocate, a consultant, and as an attorney for the last 10 years. So what uh, interests you to participate in this type of work? I think that factory farming is a really important problem to address because of the intersection of the public health problems caused by this industry, the impacts on animals, the impacts on rural communities, and of course the impacts on our air and water and our ecosystems. So there's very little that the food system doesn't impact, and mega farming impacts all of those areas in a very damaging way. So when we talk about the mega dairy and mega farming, so this type of industry that produces food in, in big quantities is not always a good thing. That's right. I think a lot of people, when they think about where their food came from, they picture the type of farm where most of our food was grown 50 or 70 years ago, 
where there's a farmer who owns the land, takes really good care of the animals, and is a good neighbor and takes care of the water and the air. And over the last few decades, the way our food is produced in this country has radically changed. And now a handful of companies are really controlling not only what we produce, but how it is produced and where. And what that has meant is that very few farms compared to a few decades ago are now producing our food. And those farms have gotten incredibly large and they tend to concentrate huge amounts of animals on one site and that can cause really um, large environmental and community impacts. When you talk about mega farms, you know, I mean, living here in the West, the first thing that occurs to me is California, you know, being the, the, the biggest producer just in, in general. Uh, but is there any other uh, states in the country that are kind of big producers of these kind of mega farms? Yes, actually, there are quite a few states where industrial scale, huge factory farms have taken over the landscape and displaced most of the smaller family farms. So in Oregon, that has started to happen. It's not nearly as far along as California, but Oregon does have a couple of the biggest mega dairies in the country. Also in the Midwest, in states like Iowa, really the industrial hog industry has taken over the state's economy and rural communities. And what we've seen now is that very few family farmers are left on the land. And there are only big industrial confinement buildings, which are basically warehouses for animals, not anything like what we think of when we think of a family farm. And when you think about farm, you're not just thinking about in terms of uh, vegetables and that sort of thing. I mean, we in include everything, animals and all kinds of food that comes our way. And so this is produced at a, at a, at a big scale as well. Yes, this industrialization has taken place in all types of the food system, all parts of the food system, so crops as well as animals. And we've seen in a lot of the country, the commodity crops, the corn, the soybeans, those farms have gotten incredibly large and they bring environmental impacts of their own because of the heavy use of pesticides and chemicals that can contaminate water and affect neighbors. So one of the things when you mentioned about the mega farms taking over small farms. So when a mega farms move to a community, it not just only takes the natural resources from this community, but also takes the ability for the community or for the members of the community to produce their own food. Yes, we've certainly seen that when mega dairies or other factory farms move into a community, they tend to take over the market in a way that makes it much harder for family farms to stay on the land and remain viable to make a living. And that's happening right now in Oregon. As the dairy farms have gotten much larger, we've seen a dramatic loss of the smaller family scale dairy farms. For some years, the state was losing an average of nine family farm dairies every month. But at the same time, the total milk that's produced on these dairies has continued to rise because of the rise of these mega dairies. 
That's a very interesting point you make. I was just traveling in Tillamook County not too long ago in the fall, and that was one of the first things that I, I noticed. And there's not a big, uh, and there's no longer these small farms or dairies in the, in the county, but you do see some bigger concentration of, of animals and things like that, yes. Yeah, you do see that the facilities in Tillamook have gotten much larger, but what I think is even more telling about the industry is that the majority of Tillamook cheese's milk now comes from Eastern Oregon, from Boardman, not from Tillamook County. And that's because of Three Mile Canyon Farm, which is the state's largest dairy, and that's a 70,000 cow farm, which produces far more waste meaning manure that has to be disposed of than an average city, like the city of Portland. Fascinating, fascinating. So one of the things that uh, brings to my mind is when we start producing the food as a factories, uh, industrial farming, does the quality of the food decrease? The quality does vary. It depends some on the type of industry. It depends some on the farmer. But certainly when you're treating food like a commercial output, like an industrial product, you're not going to have the same connection to the quality of the product as you would on a small farm when that farmer is directly working with the land and directly taking care of the animals. So yes, I mean, when you have 70,000 cows on a site or a huge crop farm where there's very little human labor involved, and you're relying instead on chemical fertilizers and pesticides to do the work for you, yes, I think the quality does does decrease. And also along with that, you know, we're relying now on more of our food being produced in smaller and smaller areas, and it has to be shipped all over the country. So what we're also losing is that freshness and that connection to the place where the food is produced. And so we no longer have these regional or local food economies that we used to have, and that allows people to really eat seasonally and eat healthy. So producing, uh, in this case, meat with uh, mega, mega farming practices uh, totally take away from the communities the ability to produce fresh, healthy food. And because of confinement of the uh, animals, and we can think about cows, uh, use a lot of hormones to produce more and grow faster, and also antibiotics to kind of control or prevent diseases? Right, exactly. And I think that that's another example of how when you take the human labor out of farming and you have to rely on these chemical or technological fixes, you're introducing all of these opportunities for um, harmful impacts to public health and to the environment, and you are losing that connection to the farmer. And local communities not only lose their ability to produce food locally, but it becomes much more difficult for smaller farmers to compete in the marketplace against these huge factory farms that really don't pay all of the true costs of the way they're producing their food, the environmental costs and the social costs. Um, I just want to uh, talk to our listeners a little bit. We're producing this show because we want the community to learn about mega farming and the impact this type of practices produce on our communities. Um, a lot of these times, 
all these uh, mega farms extract a lot of natural resources from the community. Uh, you know, the impacts, I mean, the taxing and the land itself with these mega farms and, you know, the, and the natural ability for the land to heal itself is basically non-existent because we use great amounts of uh, uh, chemicals to keep the soil uh, producing, you know, at a higher level. And then you have all the side effects of uh, some of these chemicals filtering through the water tables and creating other issues to, uh, to the community. So the, the, just not the economic impact of these mega farms in the community and pushing out the small farming but also the negative impact of a lot of these chemicals being kind of uh, put into the soil and kind of drained into these uh, communities to live near these big mega farms. So the impact is uh, at a whole lot of different levels, not just in terms of how this is produced, the mechanization of these farms, but it's also the side effect that comes with it. I think that's right. I mean, when you have such large facilities and they're using such large amounts of chemicals, they're also producing huge amounts of waste, as I mentioned, and all of that has to be disposed of. And too often, the disposal of that waste that used to be a valuable fertilizer on a smaller traditional farm, but now the disposal of these huge pits full of waste too often ends up running off into our waterways into our drinking water. We've seen in many communities around the country where you have huge factory farms, you also have contaminated drinking water because of the, the spreading of far too much waste on not enough land. And that, as you said, means that these dangerous chemicals like nitrates end up in the drinking water and you can't get those pollutants out of your drinking water without very expensive filters and it's very difficult to know if your water is safe because a lot of this pollution, it doesn't have a smell, it doesn't have a color. So you don't really know what you're being exposed to unless you test your water yourself. I've worked with communities where the drinking water rates of contamination have exceeded one out of three wells in a community. And I've talked to people in those rural communities who won't get their wells tested because they don't want to know, because if their water's unsafe, they can't afford to do anything about it. And so allowing this form of agriculture to continue to expand in Oregon and elsewhere is really just irresponsible because we're putting more communities like that at risk. Yeah, I remember hearing something about like North Carolina with the hurricane and some of the water levels. And that was one of the things they were talking about, the, the fact that the, the water contamination from these hog, hog, hog farms into the regular water table. But uh, what what are we doing at a, uh, at a local or a national scale to kind of prevent or regulate some of these um, mega farms? And how do you keep a balance? You know, there had to be a balance between the economic a need for 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 country to produce but it's also the well-being of the community they share the space well we think that those things can both exist and that we can have a thriving rural economy and strong family farms as well as protect our environment 
And so we actually think that the best thing we can do for our rural economy and our family farm economy would be to get rid of these factory farms. So that's a really long-term goal. That's a really lofty goal. But what we're doing at Food and Water Watch all over the country in communities as well as at the national level is to organize people in their communities to build power and hold their elected officials accountable. And specifically, we're fighting here in Oregon and in other states like Maryland and Iowa for a moratorium on factory farms. So we're asking our elected officials to say, no more factory farms. We don't have a good handle on the problems they're causing now. So we definitely shouldn't have more of them. And we shouldn't have any more of them until we've figured out how we can actually regulate them and protect our communities. Is this moratorium being pushed at a federal level or just a state level or national level? Our moratorium campaigns so far are at the state level and actually at the national level we have called we have gone even farther and called for a ban on factory farms because we don't think a moratorium even is good enough. That's what we're working for with our local partners and we think it's a huge step in the right direction. But ultimately, we don't see a future where our food system has any room for factory farms. And we think that a better system is possible. And so that's ultimately what all of our local and state-based organizing and legal work is building towards. What type of actions a local community can take in order to, to help um, your organization, and not just your organization, but the community, to avoid having mega farms in their communities? There are so many ways that people can get involved. It does depend on what's happening in your local community, but for example, in Iowa, we're working with local communities to organize at the county level to try to get their counties to pass resolutions supporting a statewide moratorium so that we can really build power from the ground up and then eventually get that state bill to pass. You can also get engaged at the state level when, for example, Oregon is going to very likely propose a permit, it's a water pollution permit, that would allow a new mega dairy in eastern Oregon called Easter Day Farms. And these permits allow for public comment. It's a public participation opportunity that is very important. And it's a chance for the state to hear from people who live in the area that will be affected or who just care about how food is produced in the state to call on the state to say no to this permit. We don't want Easter Day and we don't want new mega dairies in Oregon. So those are just a couple of examples of ways to get involved. This is one of the, the, the questions I would like to uh, ask so to get our community more informed in how to participate because just to say something, we live in Hood River. Probably there is not a mega farm right there. Can we still participate? Yes. Yes, you can. Everyone in the state can participate. And it's very important that the State Department of Agriculture, which issues these permits, hears from people all over the state. Because as I said before, you know, the issue of factory farming, these mega dairies affect so many things. They affect family farms in all parts of the state. They affect public health all over the state. They affect air pollution. That's something that travels a long ways and can affect people in Hood River, affect people on the coast, can affect people statewide. 
Water pollution is also an issue that, of course, travels downstream. It's not a problem that only stays in the area of the facility. So yes, we think it's very important that everyone express the many reasons that they can oppose this facility. So that, and that's really important and it's really good to know for our community that you don't need to live close to a mega farm. You can still voice your concerns and your worries about these type of practices because uh, from one way or, or another, it affects you. Absolutely. And the problem, one of the problems is that sometimes our state officials like those in the Department of Agriculture start to act like they th they they start to act like they work for the mega dairies, like they work for the industry. And really they work for all of us. And they work for everyone across the state. And so everyone across the state has a right to hold that agency accountable and to make their voice heard. So what what type of actions a member of the community can do in order to reach their representatives? Well, if you have a representative who does a local town hall meeting or a constituent coffee, it can be a great opportunity to go to that and talk to your representative directly about your concerns. Of course, that takes time and everyone's busy, so there are other ways that people can get involved. You can call your legislator's office and leave a message telling them how you feel about the issue and if there's a bill that they're voting on and you want them to vote for or against it, that's an easy way to get your voice heard. As I mentioned, there will be most likely a permit out for public comment on this new mega dairy and many organizations will be sending out what we call action alerts to our members and people who have signed up to receive emails. And that's a really easy way to send an email to the agency, the Department of Agriculture, saying, please say no to this permit. And I'm sure you're also active in the social media world. So is that a way then, if you are not in your uh, email list and that sort of thing, is this uh, uh, a website or, or an informational portal that we can uh, access to, to gain this information? Yes, thank you for mentioning that. There are several. Um, both Columbia Riverkeeper and Food and Water Watch are part of an Oregon coalition called Stand Up to Factory Farms. And that coalition has a website. If you Google Stand Up to Factory Farms, you'll find it. We also have um, a Twitter account that you can follow. And we also have a Facebook page. Um, Food and Water Watch has the same. We have a Food and Water Watch Northwest page where we post things specific to our work in Oregon and the rest of the region. And we'll put things on there about this Easter Day permit and any important bills moving through the legislature so you can follow it that way as well. So one of the things that I see with this all this information and from people that are listening to the show and they are willing to participate, uh, one of the most important things that they can do in order to support this movement is also to share the information with their family, their friends. Uh, if you are listening to this show, you can talk to your friends about it. You can talk to your family about what you listen, about the impacts of mega farming. You can talk to them and explain them about how these mega farms deplete resources from your communities, not just solo take away the resources, but also contaminate them which produce a lot of problems, health problems in our communities. Yeah, I think that's a great point. A lot of people don't hear a lot about these issues. It's not always in the news. And if you don't live in a rural community, you might not 
really see that this is how our food is primarily being produced today. So the more we can talk to our friends and family about these issues and help educate our communities, I think the stronger all of our power will be to win a moratorium and to win other protections for our water and our family farms. Um, one of the things that I would like to share with you, a story I heard from a, a lady I met on uh, Yakima. Uh, her mom lives close to the Toppenish Creek. And one of the things that she told me that was her mother was getting sick all the time and they couldn't find a reason for her, for her mom getting sick. And, and her mom uh, is an old lady that her immune system doesn't work as well as a, a young person. So she, her mom was getting sick all the time, ended up in the hospital a couple of times until uh, somebody suggests to check the quality of the water on her house. And, um, and they did. They, they checked the quality of the water and they found out that the water was contaminated. So they started investigating how the water got contaminated because it was from a, a how you call it, a dwell. And they were using uh, a place close to her home as a dump. And they were dumping a lot of carcasses from, from cows that died and a lot of the uh, feces from the mega farm. And, uh, and it was uh, the reason that why her mother was getting sick. So it, to me, it's really important to bring those stories to the surface because those are the reasons. And, and that's an example of the reasons that we want to stop mega farming. Yeah, that's a really horrifying example. That's a very sad story. And I think there probably are other stories like that that don't get told because it's often very hard to know that the pollution in your well might be coming from a mega dairy or another factory farm. And it's often hard to know, you know, why someone has gotten sick, especially with pollutants that don't cause something dramatic, like a bacteria that makes someone severely ill in a short period of time. We know that other pollutants from the waste from these facilities, like nitrates, can also contribute to your risk of getting certain forms of cancer. And that's extremely hard to link to a specific facility and to know what kinds of risks you're being exposed to. You know, one really scary example in Oregon is Lost Valley Farm, which was a mega dairy in eastern Oregon that opened up a couple years ago and started having violations of its permits almost immediately. And they also had problems with carcasses overflowing from the storage facilities and waste overflowing from the waste pits. And thankfully, no one that we're aware of was directly impacted, no one was sickened, but it just shows you the risk that these facilities pose to communities when you have such large facilities. This one had more than 10,000 cows and not nearly enough regulation or oversight to make sure that people aren't threatened in that way. Um, one of the things that I would like to kind of repeat and I think it's important for our community to understand on these uh, practices and producing big quantities of food um, and especially on the mega farms, these places use a lot of water. They do damage the air quality of the area. They contaminate the water. 
they contaminate the soil. And all these uh, negative Im impact that they create on the area, they are a long lasting impacts. They're not gonna be fixed in one year, two years. It will take hundreds of years to, to clean up. Yeah, I think that the water issues are a really good example. And you said, you know, that these mega dairies are big water users. And that's an extremely important point because not only do the cows drink a lot of water, but because these facilities are heavily industrialized, they use water to clean out the livestock buildings, to flush the waste into big pits. And they're extracting huge amounts of groundwater from areas that already have problems with not having enough groundwater. And one thing that Oregon isn't doing very well is that it's allowing these mega dairies to take huge amounts of groundwater from groundwater um, areas of concern where we should be doing everything we can to protect the groundwater, not only to keep it clean, but to make sure there's enough of it for the people who already live there and rely on it and the farms that need it to irrigate their crops. So it's a really short-sighted policy of allowing these mega farms to take our very valuable water for their private profit in this way. So, and what is uh, that you're working right now on Oregon that people can take action on? So right now there is a bill in the legislature that we actually are opposed to. And this is a bill that legislators are saying will help protect communities from mega dairies. And this bill came out as a result of that Lost Valley Farm disaster that I mentioned a couple years ago, where a huge mega dairy wasn't properly regulated and had hundreds of violations. The state sort of recognized that it needed to do something about this to prevent that from ever happening again. But the bill that the legislature is considering now doesn't go nearly far enough. So anyone who wants to engage in legislative session can call their legislator and ask them to oppose this bill, which is Senate Bill 1513, because it really is just a half measure that doesn't go nearly far enough. Another thing we're working on in Oregon that I mentioned is this proposal for a new mega dairy, Easter Day Farms. Now, Easter Day is proposing to locate on the same site that Lost Valley was based on. And Lost Valley was a complete disaster. So we want to prevent another Lost Valley type situation from happening. The permit comment period has not yet started, but it's never too early to get involved by joining the list for Columbia Riverkeeper or Food and Water Watch, signing up for the Stand Up to Factory Farms Facebook page so you can keep up to date on all of those developments. So those are a couple things we're doing in Oregon right now. Bueno, y esta es una gran oportunidad para la comunidad para que empiece a participar en ese tipo de acciones, ya que es muy importante que nosotros nos informemos y nos enteremos de lo que está pasando en nuestras comunidades. Una de las cosas que me gustaría poner en claro para que la gente que nos está escuchando entienda esto y sepa qué hacer. En este momento hay un bill que se va al Senado y el número del de bill es... Eh, 1513, uh, recuerden ese número, 1513 es el número del bill que se va al Senado 
Y si usted quiere, este, está interesado en proteger a nuestras comunidades, en ayudar a las organizaciones que estamos trabajando para prevenir que las granjas industriales se instalen en el estado de Oregon y cerca de nuestras comunidades, pues usted puede hablarle a su senador y decirle que usted está en contra de que se les den permisos a ese tipo de, de granjas industriales y que usted está en contra del Bill 1513 que va al Senado. Eso es lo que usted puede hacer. Usted puede hablarle a su senador y este, bueno, explicarle que... No, no explicarle, pero decirle que usted está en contra de este bill. One of the things that I would like to ask Tara uh, about um, these type of bills. Um, so what's, uh, once it gets to the Senate, it's just waiting for the, uh, for the group to decide to vote. Right now it's in a committee called the Rules Committee. And so it has already passed out of this, the committee that deals with environmental bills in the Senate, the Senate Environment and Natural Resources Committee. So first it passed out of that committee. Now it's in this Rules Committee. And I think once it passes out of the Rules Committee, it can be voted on by both the House and the Senate. So, so this is happening in this legislative session. So this is a process actively happening right now being discussed in a way. This is happening right now, and it's a very short session this year in Oregon, so there is not a lot of time left, and they are definitely trying to move this very quickly. So this is time to be active, participating, and being alert, because these kinds of bills are really going to affect us down the road. And so it's important to, to remember 1513 is the House bill, And, uh, and we need to uh, call the representative senators to, to remind them that this is, uh, this is important to, uh, to defeat at this point because it doesn't go far enough, like you were saying. Exactly. We're really concerned that if this bill passes, our legislators will wash their hands of the mega dairy issue and say, we did something about Lost Valley, it'll never happen again, and now we can move on to other issues. And we think that the state needs to do far more, and it should start by rejecting this bill and introducing another moratorium bill in the next year's legislative session. Well, that means now is the time to take action, and it's time to uh, grab your phone and call your representatives. Absolutely, and they all have email addresses on their websites as well. If you're more interested in sending an email than making a phone call, You can always urge them to vote no on Senate Bill 1513 over email. Okay, and well, uh, the last thing that we can say is time to action. We have a really short time on this time. But, but yeah, the legislature is really short this year, and so this is uh, action is, is needed, you know, as we speak. I mean, this is an important issue affect us all, and, and it's happening, and so oftentimes we don't hear about this, this bill that actually radically changed the way we, uh, we perceive things up there. So it's important to stay informed and it's important to act right now. Una de las cosas que me gustaría este, hacer hincapié y aquí comentar con Carlos es un poco sobre la conversación que hemos tenido con la abogada Tara Hansen eh, sobre los, este, las granjas industriales en, este, en esta ocasión de, de vacas 
los cuales producen un impacto ecológico adverso en nuestras comunidades. Exactamente, o sea, estas, estas uh, granjas industrializadas de tamaños uh, relativamente grandes no tienen gran efecto dentro de la, de efecto negativo dentro de la comunidad. No, o sea, todos necesitamos comida y todos necesitamos uh, alimentarnos, pero hay formas de, de, de hacer eso, ¿no? Cuando tenés estas grandes granjas industriales, el, el desecho y los efectos negativos que trae al agua, a la agricultura local o a la misma comunidad en sí, trayendo otro tipo de toxinas en la tierra, en el medio ambiente. O sea, es una cuestión bastante nociva para, para nuestras comunidades. O este es un tema de que es importante estar informado, es importante pensar ¿Qué se puede hacer al respecto? Muchas veces no nos preguntamos, no nos ponemos a pensar de dónde viene la comida que consumimos o la leche que tomamos y ese tipo de cosas. ¿no? Y todo tiene esa conexión que es importante algunas veces pensar y tratar de, de estar informado al menos de qué es lo que está sucediendo, con lo que te pones en la boca. Así es. Y una de las cosas que nosotros podemos hacer es este, pues participar este, en este caso hay un bill que ya lo había mencionado que se va al Senado, es el 1513, el cual ya está en un proceso en el cual va a salir a votación en la Cámara Baja y en la Cámara de Senadores. Está en, una, en, una, en un área que se le llama de las... De las el, están revisando las leyes, no es un comité de, de leyes, pero prácticamente ya pasó. O sea que lo que, va, lo que va a suceder una vez sale de ese comité va a ir a votación. Y uh, los legisladores están presionando por pasar este, esta resolución rápida para poder decir, oh, no, estamos haciendo algo para prevenir que estas grandes granjas industriales sean uh, reguladas en el estado de Oregon, pero no es así. La, uh, la propuesta de, de, de ley uh, 15-13 realmente no va más allá de lo que se necesita. Entonces la idea es tratar de, de derrotar esta, esta iniciativa para crear una especie de un moratorio también para poder este, a iniciar una nueva propuesta que va un poquito más allá y regula estas grandes granjas industrializadas de una mejor manera. Y eh, algo que aprendimos en esta conversación es de que esta sesión es muy corta y no da mucho tiempo para que las comunidades puedan este, reaccionar a este tipo de legislación que en esta ocasión está proponiendo algo que nos va a a afectar. Entonces, lo que hacemos es invitar a la comunidad a que participe, le llame a su congresista local, a su senador, este, participe con Columbia River Keeper, participe con la coalición de Food and Water Action, entonces, este, y que visiten las páginas de internet de estas organizaciones. Ahí se va a encontrar con las peticiones que usted puede firmar y que son muy importantes para demostrarle a nuestros representantes que no estamos de acuerdo con, esta, con este bill que realmente va a afectar a nuestras comunidades. Ah, recuerde, el bill número es 1513 o como usualmente lo usan, el 1513. Este, y hay que llamarle a nuestros senadores, nuestros representantes locales que no apoyamos ese bill y que por favor no le den este, el sí. Um, también esperamos que la gente de la comunidad se este, interese en aprender más sobre lo que es la producción industrial de comida. Uh, 
La producción industrial de comida no solamente se refiere a los grandes plantíos como es el maíz, como es el trigo o las frutas, pero también se mueve a los, este, a los animales, ¿no? lo que son las granjas de pollos, los, las granjas de puerco, las granjas de vacas y todo el efecto negativo que estos, este tipo de prácticas crean en nuestras comunidades y no solamente en nuestras comunidades, pero sino desde la perspectiva humanista, cómo estas granjas maltratan y totalmente abusan de los animales para producir más comida, uh, cómo estos animales están confinados en, es, en, en espacios pequeños, cómo los transportan, cómo lo, qué tipo de calidad de vida llevan en, el, en, en su corta vida para poder producir la comida que nosotros consumimos. Definitivamente. One thing I wanted to, uh, to go back to Tara and, and, and ask is, besides the... Uh, Besides calling your representative, your senators, and trying to, to stop a, a House Bill 1513 from passing, what other uh, activities, actions are happening here in the greater Poland area that people might also be interested in participating? That's a good question. In the greater Portland area, we have coalition partners who regularly have informational events where you can learn about all kinds of farm and agriculture issues. One of our coalition partners is Friends of Family Farmers, and they regularly hold an event called Infarmation in and around Portland. <laughs> and sometimes issues around mega dairies are on the agenda for those events, so I highly recommend them. Of course, this isn't a political activism opportunity, but there are wonderful farmers markets, so you can always learn more about the alternatives to the factory farm products available in your communities. And my question was coming along those lines because we talked about mega farms, you know, and we talk about the the negative impact and they have, but there's also alternative that you can do as a consumer, mm -hmm. you know, to also fight these these mega farms. You know, not, and, and that's your, your wallet, that's your economic power, that's your money. It's a big, big, powerful tool that you can use to also fight these mega farms. And one of the, the things we do is through a farmer's market. And do you, you work closely with, with farmer's market or? I don't work with farmer's markets directly. Food and Water Watch is really focused on political action as opposed to consumer-based action, but you're right that consumers can vote with their dollars and not only use their money to support responsible local farmers that they want to help keep in their communities, but also to pressure businesses like grocery stores to stop selling products that don't live up to our standards. And one great example of this recently is that the Alberta Street Co-op here in Portland recently stopped selling Tillamook cheese because they were hearing from customers that they learned that Tillamook mostly sources from factory farms, not from the small family farms in Tillamook County that it used to. And so we know that those types of consumer actions can have a really important impact. That's wonderful information, información importantísima, ¿no? O sea, como consumidor, uno tiene el poder de, de poder decidir lo, lo, que, lo que compra, lo que consume. ¿no? Y, y es importante porque uno puede hacer la diferencia cuando uno está pagando, ¿no? Nuestro, nuestro poder económico claro. se va a reflejar 
Um, una de las cosas que es bien interesante es um, nuestra comunidad consume bastante el queso. Es una parte de, la, del, este, de nuestra cocina, ¿no? No hay cocina sin queso. Sin queso. Yeah. Entonces, el saber que uno puede condicionar a las compañías como la Tillamook de que deje de comprar o consumir uh, leche de Mega Farms para, uh, de las, uh, uh, para producir el queso que nosotros consumimos, pues podemos empezar a cambiar el uso de esto, ¿no? Consumir menos de este tipo de queso de estas compañías para darle opción a otras compañías que usan este, uh, leche de, de granjas pequeñas. Claro. No. Hay muchas formas de poder este, participar, no solamente en el nivel político, en el nivel económico es bien importante. Exacto. Y si no se puede participar a estos niveles, estar informado, eso, ese es también uno de los, de los factores más importantes. ¿no? La, la comunidad informada tiene armas para poder defenderse también. Eh, esencialmente, eso es la base de la, este, para cambiar el curso de, la, de las decisiones. De, los, de las decisiones que nos pueden afectar como comunidad, informarnos. Porque si no estamos informados, no vamos a aprender de cuáles son los efectos que produce el crear este, granjas industriales. Uh, no vamos a saber cómo defendernos y no vamos a saber cómo podemos tomar acción sin comprometernos o tener que participar mucho en, en, en demostraciones y todo eso, ¿verdad? Claro. Entonces, algo bien sencillo que podemos hacer es protestar con nuestro bolsillo, dejar de consumir estos productos que muchas de las veces pues realmente este, nos están dañando y nosotros podemos decir, ¿sabes qué? No lo consumo más, arréglatelas como puedas. Claro, qué bueno. Así es. Bueno, muchas gracias por habernos escuchado. Uh, I want to thank Tara for being with us and for this great information that she shared with us. And thank you for the work you do and protecting our community is really important. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. And we love partnering with Columbia Riverkeeper in this campaign. So looking forward to continuing the collaboration. Muchas gracias, Carlos, por estar con nosotros una vez más aquí compartiendo el micrófono. Ah, gracias, Ubaldo, y gracias a Colombia River Keeper y Conoce tu Colombia, es la, el, el programa para seguir educando a la comunidad. ¿no? Siempre hay diferentes formas, no solo la protección del agua, la comida, todo está interrelacionado. Entonces es importante trabajar en pro de, 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 del conocimiento, estar bien informado, que es la mejor arma que podemos tener en este momento. Así es. Bueno, pues muchas gracias. Recuerde que usted está escuchando Conoce tu Colombia. Este es un programa producido por Columbia River Keeper que se transmite cada 15 días a las 7 de la noche, los martes. Este, sintonícenos. Siempre tendremos información que es relevante para nuestra comunidad. Muchas gracias. Nos escuchamos en 15 días. Hola, los invito a escuchar Conoce tu Colombia, un programa producido por Columbia River Keeper que se transmite cada otro martes de 7 a 8 de la noche.
Entérese de lo que pasa en las comunidades que vivimos a lo largo del río Columbia. Compartimos información sobre la importancia de proteger nuestros recursos naturales. Además, tocamos temas de justicia social y culturales que son relevantes para nuestras comunidades. Recuerde, escuche Conoce tu Colombia en Radio Tierra, el latido del Gorch, tu radio comunitaria. Qué difícil cantarle a Tierra Madre que nos aguanta y nos vio Usted está escuchando Radio Tierra en el 95.1 FM Hood River, 95.9 FM Stevenson, 107.1 FM Parkdale, 107.7 FM Didells, Casas, El Latido del Gorge, su radio comunitaria.